Well, hi, everybody. Well, welcome back to another episode of Ship Talk. Today, I'm joined with one of our buddies, Donovan Carter, who's a DevOps engineer at Dexcom. But for people who don't know you, Donovan, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, thanks, Ravi. Happy to be on the podcast today. I'm really excited to uh, to do this. This is the first time I've been on a podcast in a long time. And by that, I mean, I was on a buddy's podcast like before it was like big. It, I don't know if it's still big, if it ever got big or not. But uh, yeah, stoked to be here. Um, as Ravi mentioned, I work for Dexcom, which is a continuous glucose monitoring uh, company, um, a CGM in the diabetes space. Um, for those that don't know, uh, my journey to Dexcom is a little uh, atypical. I started out as a political science major in college and then kind of bounced around a uh, help desk job, working my way up to network administrator and then stumbling into DevOps, um, which was not something that I knew existed when I was in college. <laughs> so a uh, bit of an interesting journey. But uh, when I'm not DevOpsing or, or technologying, I play guitar uh, and sing and make lots of noise and annoy my neighbors. And uh, I'm a dad. I've got a two-year-old son uh, who takes up a significant amount of time, uh, most of which would have gone towards guitar playing. But uh, I, I love it no matter what. And then uh, I'm jeeping as well, uh, cooking, cooking barbecue and out in the Jeep uh, when the weather permits. So happy to be here. That's awesome. Actually, Donovan and I don't live too far from each other. So you mentioned barbecue. You have my attention now, Donovan. <laughs> yeah, come on over. Come on over. <laughs> I just went to the butcher store earlier today and got a uh, Boston butt and a rack of ribs uh, for hopefully this weekend if the weather stays nice. We don't we don't get very long springs here in Georgia. For those that don't know, uh, we get like a week of really perfect, like 75 degree weather. And then the heat cranks way up. <laughs> And everything turns yellow. Like it's hard to go outside for like a certain period when the the pollen comes. Oh my gosh! Yes, I wish this was a barbecue podcast. I should change the name. (laughs) We should talk to barbecue ops. Uh, But really interesting journey that you had. I I, so we had another guest on before, and it's a very salient point from your from your background is that in the DevOps world. Um, decisions can take a long time. Like, so uh, my background, I've been a software engineer for like forever, ever. And even with this whole agile revolution, life is two weeks or three weeks at a time in the sprint. But in the DevOps world, you know, change can take years, depending on where you are. Let's talk about how your political science background, like kind of, I mean, you're in a unique position to be ready for that type of change. Yeah, it's amazing. Like I tell people from time to time that like the part that I love the most about my job is the technology technological side where I'm, you know, doing the code and hands-on keyboard, but what I spend most of my time on is the people side. Talking to folks, zooming, slacking, phone calling, whatever it is to get in touch with folks and to try and get points across and enact change. And especially at a company like Dexcom or any other big company, um, there are bigger companies and smaller companies from us, I'm sure. Um, it, it can be even harder, um, even at small companies where you're dealing with developers who probably aren't reading the latest Kelsey Hightower tweets or you know whatever, and probably don't get a lot of the DevOpsy stuff that we want to do. So yeah, a lot of it is using that interpersonal communication. Um, I, as we were talking about this the other day and political science to me, and I think to a lot of other folks in the, in the study or the discipline is kind of the study of how groups of people make decisions. A lot of people think it's like, oh, Republicans, Democrats. And it's sure there's opinions about stuff like that in political parties, but it's really more of a social science about how do groups of folks make a decision, which is what companies and software development organizations and developers do all the time, all day, every day. 
Um, but you're right. It, it can take a really long time to get that, you know, wonderful shining consensus where it's like, yes, we have, we've gone through and done the spreadsheet evaluation, the point scoring and all of the requirements line up and we're picking this tool at which point, you know, half of the room says boo and the other half says hiss. And then there's like two people who are like, yes, my tool got picked. <laughs> and then, you know, the implementation and all of the gory details start to, to come out. So it's it's been surprisingly helpful. Um, I really thought that I was going to go to law school and become a lawyer because I'm good at arguing and I kind of like it. <laughs> and then realized fairly quickly that I didn't like many of my classmates enough to spend three more years with them in law school. And then I just really didn't actually want to do that. Um, I like to solve problems and puzzles and um, kind of got into IT and had always been kind of technologically savvy anyway. And uh, the rest the rest is kind of history, <laughs> so to speak. Yeah, awesome points, right? Like I think it, for, for those who, you know, haven't uh, kind of dipped into DevOps or maybe still very like siloed and, and part of their, let's say, engineering shell or cocoon, there's a lot of decisions. Like that's actually what took me aback when I started getting into my, my professional career. Cause I used to think that after my group project in university was over, I would never have to deal with people again. Uh, that was far, far from the, it, it's in fact, it flipped. It's like, it's, it's software. It's a bunch of negotiation that there's a negotiation or technology in general too. It's a negotiation of decisions before your time, during your time and after your time. I really like how you talk about point scoring. A lot of people don't experience that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it, it really is. And it's funny because, yeah, you know, we all have those group projects and we all have those people in the group projects who just come show up at the last minute like, oh, hey, I wasn't able to get this done. Uh, is there any chance you could like bail me out here? Um, you know, we always talk about like, oh yeah, I'm glad I don't have to do group projects ever again. And then, you know, as you mentioned, you, you join a software organization and become a DevOps engineer and realize you're, those people still exist. And because you're in DevOps, DevOps is the people, oh, hey, we forgot about TLS termination. Is that, is there something you guys can just do for us real quick? Also, we need to ship tomorrow. <laughs> so it's just like being back in college. Just rotate um, those certs, man. Come on. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, hey, we need an SSL cert for this. And also it needs to be in production tomorrow where the VP is going to literally shoot someone. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, no big deal. Let me just stop what I'm doing. And go do uh, that a room. story as old as time continues today with different different uh, variables, <laughs> but insert story here. So totally perfect. So digging a little bit to uh, where Donovan works. So in full disclosure, um, I'm a user of a CGM, a content glucose monitor, and it's a, a very good, I think, bond that we have here that uh, it's changed my life, right? Like it's given me my life back, you know, personal thanks to everybody at your firm and the other firms that, uh, you know, kind of partake in this industry. It's beating diabetes with data. It's amazing. But being in the forefront of such innovation, there are two crossroads. And I think that uh, some of our listeners would find this extremely interesting because a lot of times uh, when, 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 at least from, you know, when I talk to DevOps engineers, they're usually at software firms who don't have any regulation, but on the flip side, you are under, you're under so much regulation because of the medical device uh, that you represent. Let's talk about that. How, how does innovation happen at a medical device company and how do you, keep the DevOps movement alive and moving forward. I know some of the story and I'm very impressed, but for the listeners, uh, it'd be very foretelling. Yeah, no, that's a great question. How, how does innovation happen at a heavy, heavily regulated uh, company? Well, the answer is very carefully. 
Um, we, we have extensive, so yeah, the CGM community is really amazing and I don't want to miss that point. I think that any CGM benefits people just so tremendously. And, and, uh, you know, I have an uncle who has type one diabetes and uses a CGM and it's just been amazing. The, the benefit to quality of life that that's brought, not only for him, but for family members and just, yeah, I, I know a lot of folks in the community, um, who greatly benefit from from this technology, and it's it's really great. Um, you know, we did a Super Bowl ad recently that brought a lot of awareness, and I think it's a it's a pretty neat time um, if if there ever were one for for this type of technology, and to get to see the benefit of it is really cool. But uh, the the innovation behind it certainly isn't without a lot of scrutiny, as you can imagine. Like it's a device that goes inside of people's bodies, like breaks the skin. We have a little sensor that goes in there and starts reading your blood glucose values from your bloodstream or your, it's not actually your bloodstream. It's kind of the, the member's tissue uh, around just below the skin uh, without getting too gory for people who are squeamish. Sorry about that. <laughs> I didn't mean to go into that level of detail. Um, and I'm not a, a social scientist or not a, a bioscientist. So I don't, I probably got some of that wrong. So uh, <laughs> make sure you email Ravi and correct me. Um, I'm sure he'd love to hear from you about that, but um, no, like we're, we're, some, you know, subject to the FDA, obviously uh, being here in the States, but there's also the various different FDAs that exists internationally you know we have a presence in in europe and um you know presences around the world and so we're we're subject to those regulating bodies as well uh we're we're audited both internally as well as externally um we have uh, one of the fun things about working at a regulated company like this is the the amount of trainings on our processes and procedures that we have to do um, it can be full story points at times, um, you know, days worth of training, making sure we have our, our processes, you know, and process instructions handy for those dawn raids um, when the FDA or, or whatever governing body wants to come and, you know, uh, do a, a spot audit. They can do that. And um, it, it makes life really interesting for us in DevOps because so much of DevOps is CI, CD, and the CD part is continuous deployment. And we've seen that Spotify Agile uh, video that the Agile coaches like to show folks of, you know, we're all off in our little spears and we're running fast and we're deploying the squads. Yeah, we got our squads and our scrums and our tribes and it's all wonderful, right? And then you show up and it's like, okay, it takes, you know, four weeks to get something through doc control and nothing can get done until it's gone through doc control. And so, Put, put your CI CD kind of on pause until we get things, you know, sorted out. So we have a really great QA department, a great regulatory department, an awesome V&B department who all work together with software development to make sure that we're not only getting stuff out, but it's safe and it complies with our governing bodies. And it, it's a unique challenge. I mean, I, I know that there's other regulated, heavily regulated industries, so I shouldn't say it's super unique, but being in the medical field, with software medical devices as a DevOps engineer is a, is a really interesting space. It can be frustrating for those who want to run super fast. And it doesn't mean you can't embrace automation. And I think that's been one of the big takeaways for me is that, you know, just because we're not deploying five times a day like Spotify or somebody else doesn't mean that we can't use the same, you know, CI, CD, the same principles that other people use. We just have to proceed with caution and, and remember to take a lot of care into what we do. Um, so uh, yeah, it's it's the same but different, I guess. To sum it all up, um, we have uh, a pretty tremendous burden, and uh, it's kind of unique to our industry. And you know, again, kind of circling back to the original point, 
it makes sense. I mean, I, I would, <laughs> I wouldn't want to be under any less burden uh, as far as regulation and, and quality and safety, because what we do impacts people's lives um, pretty positively. But if, if that were to ever, yeah, if, if we weren't as careful and cautious, that could be a negative and that's something that nobody wants. Yeah, absolutely. And I really appreciate all the, the, you know, safeguards and trials that, you know, the CGM community goes through because you're right. I'm not sure yet which part of the body body it sticks into too. So if anybody knows, <laughs> it's in my arm. <laughs> I don't know where it gets the data from. Um, but I, I think a, a very a, a very good point you brought up before. So this like cheating on the podcast we had a chat before uh, is that a big part of your job and your organization is supporting iteration where you can, right? And so some people will be able to run a little bit faster until some sort of regulation. And so maybe we can shine about that. Like what's a good model? The developers, they, tip, they need to iterate a lot because you can't build anything right the first time versus when the, you know, the audits or the trials come in, you have to slow the roll for a more finalized product. Maybe talk about that continuum of speed to slowing your roll. Yeah, no, the, the velocity side of things, because we are a growing company and we have, you know, really, it's a competitive space. Um, so there is the impetus to to kind of keep the pedal to the metal and continue pushing ahead and developing new things, even as we're waiting to release things that are code complete. Um, and, and we do kind of, if you step back from deploying to production, we have various different staging grounds um, that we are some pretty much continuously deploying to um, multiple times a day easily. So we still we still have that um, that innovation and that iterative development. Um, one of the benefits I think of being heavily regulated is we have really great test teams who spend a lot of time continually poking at our stuff. So it's kind of like our our continuous deployment and that feedback loop gets moved just out of production into our testing areas. And so developers are constantly deploying new things, new features, trying new stuff out. We as DevOps are constantly rehearsing things and trying to align. It's it's really a big uh, kind of think of like a train conductor. Uh, actually, a, uh, the folks, the air traffic controllers are probably a better example because they've got the fourth dimension uh, of things. And it's constantly, you know, watching things come and go and get shipped and then get completed. And so there is, yeah, that element of, of iteration um, that's there for our development teams. It's just we don't do the full agile, like get feedback from the customer because we want to make sure before the customer ever sees it that we know like what their experience is going to be. Um, but, but we still have that principle of, of continuous feedback with our testing, whether it's automated or even just our V&B folks manually testing things. Um, it, it is still a part of our process for sure. I think that's, uh, I think, I, I was really excited what you just, the, the la- kind of last part there. And I think it applies to any heavily regulated industry is that you want to get feedback before the customer gives the feedback, right? And, and that's the goal of any regulation, let it be medical, let it be financial, let it be any sort of regulation because it's there for protecting people. And, and that's it. Like it, it's, uh, I think a very modern model and I'm very like just honored to talk to you is that you're having a lot of iteration early on, right before production. So like that was very succinct, right? Like, Hey, mm-hmm. we, we are getting it right. And then rehearsing it and then shipping it when we feel that it's, it's right. So um, awesome stuff. So let's, let's talk about a little bit about, some of the trends that, that you've kind of seen uh, as your uh, DevOps career has evolved. What, what's been, let's say, in the last like three or four years, what's been kind of anything kind of shock you, blow you away? You're doing things differently than you done a couple of years ago uh, that you do today. 
Yeah. Um, something I've really been working on this year, and it was kind of my theme for last year, but I don't know if you guys know this, but last year was kind of crazy and atypical. There's some reason, uh, maybe unprecedented is just the right word. I don't know. Um, but it, it, it was an interesting year. And so my, my goals for last year personally have kind of carried over to this year and it's actually to write less code. Um, and what I mean by that is to be, I, I'm a big fan of Kelsey Hightowers and I've gotten a chance to meet him a couple of times and to hear him speak. And anytime you can, I think you should, he's just got such a great perspective and he's such a great communicator, um, both technically and also things like this of just being really pr pragmatic. Um, the time that I got to meet him, um, at a previous moment was, uh, about, you know, a technical challenge and he was just like, Oh, well, just do this. Boom. He picked like the simple, most pragmatic thing. He's like, yeah, that's all you need to do. Like, sure, you could do a lot of other things, but should you do it? And I was like, that's a really, really profound point. Like, especially within DevOps, there's so many new things being announced and launched, so much shiny stuff, you know, like, oh, well, should we adopt Istio or Linkerd or is there another service mesh that we should be considering? It's like, well, do we need one? And in some, I'm very guilty of falling into the trap of like, oh, the really cool, shiny. And you know, writing less code for me is just saying like, don't repeat yourself. I'm very bad at repeating myself and trying to get things done quickly. Um, and so kind of the idea of being more pragmatic with the design decisions that I make and also being more conscious of like, how can I work more efficiently and build things into little blocks that get reused so I don't have to rewrite those over and over again has really helped save me a lot of time, actually. <laughs> um, I like to write Go. Go is my, my programming language of choice and being able to just go fetch something that I wrote, you know, six months ago and, and import it and use it without having to re remember like how I wrote it. Or, or rewrite, you know, worse copy pasta from X Visual Studio Code from one repo to another. Just is safer. It's it's a safer pattern to work in because I'm not monkeying with the code over again, and uh, it, it allows me to work faster. So that's kind of a trend personally um, that that I've been looking at. But it's also something that I've, I'm seeing be applied, you know, across the industry. Terraform modules. You know, we all love our Terraform. We always have. Um, but Terraform modules and being able to pull those building blocks down um, has been really cool. Uh, some of the stuff that Google's doing with their configuration, uh, cloud configuration manager, kind of making things into YAML that you can templatize and then reuse. Um, reusability feels like the, the big trend right now. And I, I totally get it. Um, we're, we're all under enormous pressure to get things done and deliver and reducing the amount of time it takes to do that by repeating safe, well-known things uh, just makes a ton of sense. Uh, and it's super efficient. So uh, those are really cool things that I see happening more and more, especially as infrastructure as code continues to be the thing um, as well it should. Uh, being able to render those things repeatedly without having to go write stuff over again uh, is kind of the jam. Yeah, perfect. I, your answer is really great because it, it draws in a lot of like different disciplines. I call it a very, that was a very experienced person's answer. Um, it probably taken me, geez, like since I was an entry-level engineer all the way to like, I was a principal engineer years gone by mm -hmm. uh, to actually say, you know what, let me stop chasing the shiny penny. Uh, simplicity has its virtues. You know, that's, that's a, mm -hmm. a page out of the site reliability engineering handbook. Uh, simplicity in solution and the ability to staff it has its mm -hmm. virtues. I'll give a more intrinsic question because it's something that I think everybody struggles with. And I think you had a pretty good answer there. There's, 
how do you balance learning and simplicity, right? So clearly as an engineer, your career journey, you had to be learning like a sponge for a long time. You know, you have to be learning initial skills, but then when you start kind of getting into more very experienced level, you're taking a step back and saying, you know what, let's make things more simplistic. Let's use more common design patterns. So you're not chasing the penny anymore as much. Like how do you, A, like just get to that mindset? Like at what point is it, not absorbed like a sponge. Yeah, it's certainly a, a certain amount of maturity, and it's one that I'm working towards attaining. I still get, I still have those moments where I'm like, ah, you know, they did just release a new version of Istio, and I really want to know what they changed. Um, so I, I do take, I do try and take, like, I think maybe 10 to 15% of my time, I try and take his white space to go, okay, I've been wanting to do this for a while. I've got a, maybe a use case in mind. Let me go spike it out real quick and just see. Um, but I, I try and keep in mind that, you know, developer self-service is the important thing. And also my teammates need to be able to go and, and work on it too. And we have a very diverse team as far as skill sets and backgrounds. And so what makes sense to me is it just going to automatically make sense to one of my colleagues and, and vice versa. Um, so I think it's, it's maybe that posture kind of helps me keep me in check when I do want to run after something super shiny. Um, but it, the temptation is still there. Um, there's also kind of the, the just the day to day, like, hey, gotta ship things, um, and, and gotta have stuff done. And but that doesn't mean that doesn't come at the risk, like at the expense of never innovating too, because I think innovation is really important. So it, it's very tough. I think um, I try and evaluate like what's the what's the most simplistic thing that I could do with this particular ask because you know a lot of times I think we as DevOps tend to be both the cook and the uh, the mater D who's out there taking the, the the waiter that's taking the orders and it's like hey what would you like well I didn't look at the menu but I was really hoping you had this okay well let me go ask the chef go back change hats all right, I think we have all the ingredients to make this. I'm going to grab my Nginx proxy that I know so well, and I'm going to throw that out there, and we're going to you know, build this thing real quick. Um, and, and I think uh, kind of as part of that answer, it's about what tools do you, do you have in your tool bag that you're familiar with, and are they flexible enough to get the most things done? Uh, I think that's another part of it for me too. If you have good tools that can do the, the work that you need them to do and you're skilled with them, there's really no shortage of what you can do. Um, I'm not a golfer, but you know, if you've got a, a pitching wedge that you know you can't miss with, hey, when you get to a certain point, you're, you're good to go and you know it. Um, so it, it's, yeah, it, it's a good question. And it's a tough one that I think we as DevOps folks, and especially me, have to wrestle with on a daily basis. But that's kind of my spin on it, um, or at least how I try and approach it. That, that's probably the most pragmatic answer I've heard and a very realistic answer as, as technologists, you know, we wouldn't be technology if we weren't, you know, impressed by the shiny penny, right? Like we're mm -hmm. not so jaded, like, oh, change, yeah. like we embrace change. Mm -hmm. but also make sure you balance change with consistency and confidence, right? Like I like that mm -hmm. 10 to 15%. Uh, it, it's interesting when, when I used to be an engineer and a development manager, when I would hire people, I would kind of look for actually more of a skills gap. So if someone had 100% of the skills, I would be like, they wouldn't be happy because you're not going to learn anything. Whereas mm -hmm. if they have 2% of the skills, it might be too much of a stretch. But I kind of look at that 60%, like if they need 40% or a little bit less of like the gap, they're going to be excited to learn and take things on. And so your particular metric is great. Like in, in the role, you're expanding your skill set without like totally like burning down the house. 
yeah, a lot of folks would get mad if I if I started tearing things down, and and that's been a good check. I, it also has to do with the folks and the developers that you work with. I've been fortunate to work with some very like very good uh, development cultures about introducing new things uh, and and just kind of making sure, uh, kind of like I was talking about, the whole team has to really get behind it. The whole team has to understand it and be able to own it. It's not just a me thing. Um, so that, that kind of has helped change my perspective or at least help me be, I think, a better better engineer about stuff like that. Awesome. My, my last question for you, I always end all the podcasts with this. And so Donovan and I also went to uh, competing universities or rival universities. But uh, let's say that, you know, it's graduation day and you graduated from your university and, and current Donovan walks past uh, you know, Donovan of years gone by underneath the arches, I think is what yep. they say there. Underneath yep. the arches. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so like, would it be any advice you would tell your old self of what you know today? Man, um, learn to code sooner would certainly be uh, up there. Um, probably also, uh, you know, maybe go go sit in and audit like some logic classes, some philosophy classes. Um, spend spend some more time on that because as, as great as political science is, there's still like a logical and philosophical aspect of what we do that's really important. And it's a it's stuff. Some of the stuff that we've been talking about is very ph- philosophical and. Those, that philosophy can really be a framework in which you do your work and, and just like agile or safe or whatever it is, like they're frameworks and frameworks are, are germane to, to software and engineering and, um, you know, understanding that stuff uh, is, is very important. Um, be more active and go to the gym with more often and get into good habits there because those are frameworks that are important as well, especially for those of us who spend a lot of time at a desk or, or sitting or standing at a desk. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, man, I spent a lot of time doing sysadmin, uh, help desk stuff and, and was, was concerned that I wouldn't be a good coder or developer because I just didn't want to be the guy in the dark room with headphones on, just staring at a screen, just pounding on a keyboard all day. Little did I know how much time uh, developers spend in meetings and on Slack and talking to people and how little time they spend coding. Um, it's actually been a delightful thing for me. So uh, yeah, it definitely, you know, get get into code, be less, uh, I guess, opinionated about your tech choices and trying to think more in frameworks um, would be some of the advice that I would give my past self. Now, unfortunately, I don't know how much my past self would listen to that advice, especially from, I didn't have long hair and a big beard when I was in college. So I probably wouldn't recognize myself. And for those that can't see, I have long hair and a big beard. <laughs> That's, that's hilarious. Uh, very good advice. Actually, I'll take some of that advice right now, the current Robbie. So uh, with, with that, Donovan, thank you so much for being on the podcast and continue to fight the good fight that you fight at uh, the CGM community at Dexcom. Yeah, thanks so much, Ravi. I love being on the podcast today. I hope we get to do it again soon. And come over for barbecue.